0: When you hear the word peace, what comes to mind? Perhaps it's everyone in the household getting along during lockdown. Maybe it's physical safety, where you're free to live and express your thoughts and your ideas, where you're safe from harm. Is it an end to tyranny, oppression, and violence? Each one of these are important and they are shadows of peace, but they're not the substance. In the Bible, peace is not just the ending of war or of hostility. Peace means being made whole again. And that's what Jesus came to give us—peace with God, peace with one another, and to make everyone who puts their trust in Him absolutely whole. Because, you see, deep within us is a hunger for peace. The biblical word for it is shalom, and it means to be made complete, to be made whole again. It means being fully understood and fully loved. It goes beyond ending conflict, although that's certainly a part of it. Real peace speaks of something far more penetrating and deeper. In announcing the coming of Jesus Christ to earth at Christmas, God spoke these words through the prophet Isaiah. He said, For to us a child is born to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. God announced 700 years in advance that peace, that shalom, his wholeness was coming. But it would not be just a euphoria that we have. Peace would come as a person. More specifically, peace comes from a prince. The title prince here used in the scripture can also be translated captain or chief, although here prince is the best use, it's the most precise translation, because it refers to the son of the king. But the word carries with it not just that position, but also a military authority, and that's incredibly important, because we will discover as we examine the scriptures today that real peace is not something that can be negotiated for. Compromise rarely produces lasting peace in our world. True peace must be won. That which is stealing wholeness from our lives and from our relationships has to be defeated. And that's what Jesus Christ came to do. He is the Prince of Peace. And as a mighty warrior, He has won peace for us. He provides wholeness to those who fully trust in Him. He has defeated the enemy of our souls, which is sin, and He offers us enduring wholeness. You see, Jesus knows and understands you absolutely. He knows everything about you, and He loves you. He loves you to the point of complete sacrifice of Himself so that you and I could have peace. But Jesus does more than just give us peace within. He also gives us peace with one another. The Bible pictures, the conflict that we have with God, the conflict that we have within, and the conflict that we have with other people as a wall of separation. Perhaps it's a lot like this wall surrounding the castle. That wall separates people from one another, and there is a wall that separates us from God. It's a wall that is so high, that is so straight, that there's no way even the best climber in all the world could ascend it. Our world continually gives us evidence also of the division that we have between people. Racial division, political separation, economic division, discrimination. Our world is filled with hostility towards God and towards one another. Jesus came to take down the wall, to break through the barrier, not just providing a tunnel through, but to take it out of the way People must first put their trust in Him. And then the wall of separation between God and us is transcended. And the wall of separation that divides us from one another comes down. Before we look at that gospel account of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem in Luke chapter 2, I want to show you the Christmas message from the book of Ephesians. This is who it describes, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the mighty warrior who has defeated our enemy and makes us whole. This is how it describes him. Let's look at what it says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. This is speaking of both Jews and Gentiles, speaking of all the nations. Thus making peace, he says, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through Him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Jesus is the one who makes peace. People who are deeply divided by cultural differences can be one, and they can have wholeness in Christ Jesus. That's what He's offering us. That's what He's saying He came to do as His purpose and His mission. One of the things that I treasure so much about the International Church is that we are people from many different cultures, nations, and languages, united as one through our faith in Christ Jesus. And our differences, rather than divide us, make us more and more one in Him, because it provides the canvas upon which the brush of His love adds color, texture, and beauty. Followers of Jesus must have a love for all people, Because Jesus does. If we truly wish to worship Jesus as Lord, we are to place the same value on others that He does. In Revelation chapter 5, Jesus Christ is declared worthy of all praise. Let's look at why He's declared worthy for just a moment. Let's look in our Bibles at Revelation chapter 5. The scene takes place in heaven before the very throne of God. A lamb who has been slain... And has risen is seen, and a scroll that contains the completion of God's plan of redeeming all creation is sealed shut. But in the narrative, we discover that no one is declared worthy and able to open the seals. No one is worthy except for Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Look what it says Revelation 5, beginning in verse 8. and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Jesus is proclaimed worthy because he offered his life to ransom people for God from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And what have they become? It says that they are one kingdom united in him, Furthermore, they are priests who intercede for others so that they may know Jesus Christ as well and bring them into his kingdom so that there is peace on earth. Jesus is worthy of all praise because he is the Prince of Peace who makes us whole within, rescuing us and giving us peace with God. And he gives us unity with one another as well. I believe with all my heart that we need to be proactive as believers in Jesus Christ, as His ambassadors of peace. We need to do all that we can to make reconciliation with one another. I believe every church should be as multicultural as possible. Now, I recognize that depends upon your setting. There are communities where everyone pretty much is from the same ethnicity, the same culture, and that's fine. Not every church is going to be like the International Church of Prague, where we have some 45 different nations represented. But if your church is a church where everyone's kind of the same, what I would encourage you and your leadership to do is to partner with another church that's slightly different, that is a different community, a different culture. Partner with them. And the reason I encourage you to do that is not to be politically correct, not even because we need one another even though I believe we do. It is because Jesus is worthy and the thing that declares his incredible worth is that he has broken down the walls that divide us first from God and from one another. When people see the walls between different groups of people come down, it will make them wonder what is the power what is the, the secret that has brought these people who are so different together? And it'll point to Jesus Christ. And then they'll see how Jesus Christ not only takes down the wall that separates people from people, he takes down the wall that separates us from God. You see, the peace you're looking for can be found in Jesus. The wholeness to mend the brokenness within us and within our world is found in Him. The conflict that's destroying your marriage, your friendship, or relationship can become peace when we turn to Jesus Christ and trust Him completely. Because you see, He is the gift of Christmas. He's what we're really looking for. He is peace. He is wholeness. Come in person and in the power to make us whole. Now let's go and look at the biblical account of Jesus' birth because the angels in heaven pick up on this theme of the Prince of Peace in their announcement to the shepherds. Let's turn in our scriptures to Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bible or if you have Bible on your phone, I encourage you to read along as we listen to the scriptures.
1: So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, bethlehem the town of david because he belonged to the house and line of david he went there to register with mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child while they were there the time came for the baby to be born gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
0: The scriptures reveal here the promise of peace to humanity. This is why Jesus came, to bring us peace and to bring glory to God in the highest. Luke 2.13 again says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. If you need peace in your heart and your life, that little song, that message of the angels, gives you actually everything that you need to know in order to experience peace. Peace. Peace comes from knowing that God is pleased with you, that He loves you. And the message of the angels that they proclaimed was that God is not only with you, but that God is for you. He's for us. Their song of praise tells us how to have true peace as well. It says, give glory to God in the highest. That's the promise that He's given. Now let's look a little more specifically at this proclamation Of the angels because it tells us that God had a plan to bring peace to sinful humanity between the brokenness of us and the holiness of Him. That was His plan from the beginning. You see, God's story is about our rescue. We were enemies held in captive territory and God sent Jesus Christ, born of Mary, born in a manger, to set captives free to give us a life of peace with God through his son. Jesus breaks through walls that divide us from God and from each other. Maybe a a good way to picture it as you look at these these walls here outside the castle is think of uh, maybe a movie that you've seen that has prisoners of war and there's forces on the outside attempting to break in and set them free. Men and women take daring risks to rescue their friends and their fellow soldiers. And you realize that the high point of the story is the rescue. But that in and of itself is not the purpose of the story. The purpose of the rescue is to give life back to their friends. Life back to their their comrades or their colleagues. They didn't just want to break them out of prison. They wanted to give them life again. And that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. To give us wholeness in our relationship joy in our experiences, to give us the kind of life we could never have without Him. Well, thirdly, we see that the angels pointed the shepherds to a specific sign of who God's peacemaker would be. And also in the sign, they showed Him a great deal about what He would do. First of all, They said that the peacemaker would be wrapped in strips of cloth. They told the shepherds that they should go and they will find a babe wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. That's the second part. He would be in strips of cloth, and secondly, he would be lying in a feeding box. Now, why did God make such a big deal about those specifics? I believe he did so because they're pointing to the identity of who Jesus is. And he's giving those specifics to shepherds for a reason. The shepherds of Bethlehem were not ordinary shepherds. The pastures around the city of Bethlehem was where the Passover lambs would be born and cared for. The shepherds would have often looked over the fields and they would have seen those Passover lambs exactly as the angels had told them about Jesus. They would have seen a similarity. You see, When a lamb was born, they would wrap it in strips of cloth and they would often lay it in a feeding box to protect it from injury because the requirement for a Passover lamb was that it was not to have any injury or any deformity. It had to be perfect. It had to be spotless. And so the shepherds would have done everything they could to protect the lambs because they were caring for lambs that had a specific purpose and mission they would be the spotless sacrifices for the people of God to offer at Passover. God, in His grace, chose to announce the birth of His Son, not to diplomats or royals or executives or even to religious leaders. He sent the angels to the one group of people who deeply loved and who understood the significance of a Passover lamb. So that when they saw a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a feeding box, it was a picture for them of the Passover lamb. They would have understood, at least to some degree, that this peace that was coming, that the the angels had announced, the peace on earth that was coming to humanity, would cost the baby in the feeding box dearly. It would cost him his life. The scriptures tells us that they go- they went and they worshipped. They worshipped because of what the angels said, and they worshipped because they saw a glimpse of what this child would do. The peacemaker would suffer as the Passover lamb. This is what John the Baptist proclaimed. He said this in John chapter one, verse twenty-nine. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The angels showed the shepherds the great sign that represented Jesus' purpose. He came to take away our sins. And that's the greatest sign of all. God stepped in to humanity to bear away our sin. Not just forgive them, but to remove them from us. And in so doing, take down the wall that separates us from God. Furthermore, the strips of cloth lying there wrapped around the baby in the manger represent God stepping into our identity. You see, Jesus should have come in royal robes, and yet he's wrapped in rags. He humbled himself, the king of the universe humbled himself, and his first clothes were rags. His last clothes, soldiers gambled for after they had stripped him bare. Isn't it a beautiful picture of God's love and of Jesus' humility? Jesus Christ stepped into our identity. He died the death that we deserved. He was risen from the grave by the Father and is absolutely victorious over sin, over death, over the grave. In Christ Jesus, we now have peace with God and are free to live a life that brings him honor and glory. We are free to live united with him as his children through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, fourthly, as I've mentioned before, the peace that Jesus offers is wholeness. And that wholeness takes on three dimensions. The first one is this. Jesus offers us wholeness in a peace with God. Listen very carefully. It is not possible to have the peace of God without first having peace with God. It all starts right here. Each of us, because of our sin, has a problem. We're separated from God. In fact, the, the Bible often refers to us as lost It describes our sinful condition. And it goes further to describe us as actually enemies of God. And Jesus alone can take down that wall. He alone can rescue us when we turn to Him and put our trust not in our own goodness, but in His goodness and in His sacrifice for us. When we call upon His name, the name of Jesus, we are saved. When we put our complete faith, our whole trust, In Jesus Christ, as our salvation, our lives are settled, our lives are changed and transformed, and we receive the promise of peace because God comes to dwell within us. The book of Romans chapter 5 puts it this way, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want the peace of God, you have to, first of all, make peace with God by placing your trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. Secondly, the second dimension is not only do did, did Jesus come to give us wholeness in our peace with God, He came to give us peace with ourselves. Let's be honest. Most of us are insecure. I know I am. There's some area where we don't feel like we measure up. For most people their performance is their identity. Even the person who seems very bold and brash and self-centered, it's often revealing the fact that they're incredibly insecure. When they're bragging on themselves and talking about what they have done, it's evidence that they may be lacking peace within. They're insecure. If we're successful in the eyes of others, we tend to feel good. But it's a foundation that is shifting sand. There's always something about how we look or what we have or how successful we are or what our position is that we keep trying to build up or overcome. But once we build it up, we discover that it settles back down and we need to do more and more and more. Real peace comes from seeing ourselves from God's viewpoint and listening to who He says we are and who He is calling us to be. Now there's an interesting balance here. First of all, life is not about us. We need to recognize that. On the one hand, we need to recognize life is about God. But on the other hand, God declares that we have incredible value. He sent His Son to die for you. How much more value could He express? How much more love could He express? What's interesting is right before the passage that we looked at earlier in Ephesians that talked about the wall of hostility between people, it tells us that Jesus has not only taken down that wall and and the, the, the things that divide us from one another. The Bible tells us that we're saved by grace, by God's work, and not by our performance. There's no way we can be good enough. But here, the next thing that it says is it says how God sees you. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love this word, workmanship, because it means masterpiece. When God looks at you, he sees his masterpiece. In our sin, he sees a masterpiece that needs to be restored but He still sees a masterpiece. He sees who He made you to be and who you will become in Christ Jesus. God did not make any mistake when He made you who you are. Your worth is proven, not by how you look, not by how others see you, or how successful you are. You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to do good things to do great things. He has a plan and a purpose for your life that gives true meaning and lasting peace when we live as his masterpiece, rather than trying to make a performance on our own and trying to prove to others that we're worth something. When we rest completely, not in ourselves, but in Christ, it changes everything. And this concept leads us into that third area of peace that Jesus gives to us. James chapter 4 asks this question. It says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions, which could be translated selfishness, are at war within you? Our passions, our desires, can come into conflict with others. Selfishness will always strain relationships. But Jesus came To give us peace with God, peace within, and peace with one another. Our ability to have the peace of God is hampered by conflict that we have with others in our lives. This is why the Bible speaks so directly to believers about being one, about forgiving one another, about reconciling with one another. Because we know it's true. When your relationships are strained, there's no peace within When my relational conflicts, um, they're the result oftentimes of my own selfishness, of my desires conflicting with someone else's selfish desires. And I need to have the perspective of Christ towards others and towards myself. God tells us to forgive others, not because they deserve it, but because He has forgiven us. The truth is, I didn't deserve forgiveness from God. And oftentimes, I've not deserved the forgiveness of others either. But I'm so thankful that others have responded to me in the way that Jesus has. So if there's relational strife in our life, we need to examine what we can do to make it right. If we need to forgive others, we should do so. If we need to ask for forgiveness, that's the step we should take. Because doing so puts us in a right relationship with God It enables us to be in a right relationship with others as well. So if you want peace this Christmas and there's struggling and the Lord is bringing to mind a relationship where it's broken, would you seek reconciliation? Would you ask forgiveness where it's needed? Would you humble yourself following the example of Jesus Christ and reach out in love? That's what God has done for us. And let me just give you this Word of of counsel. We need to own the offenses that we cause. This is hard. Everything within us seeks to defend ourselves. But when we apologize for an offense, don't make a defense. Simply own what you could have done differently and allow the Lord to work. You see, that shows that we're putting our trust not in ourselves, but in God. It shows that we don't want to be right or be proven to be right, but to do right and to honor the Lord. Remember, we proclaim Jesus' greatest worth when we're unified with other believers. If I'm to bring God glory in the highest, then I desire to not put any stumbling blocks in the way of others. I don't need to be right, but I do want to do right. To seek to honor God with all that I am and all that I do. That humility brings peace because it allows the Holy Spirit to fill us in a fresh and whole way. So seek reconciliation, offer forgiveness, and be reconciled to one another. There's a great Christmas hymn. It came upon a midnight clear. And and now this hymn is, is seen as a beautiful carol but it was written originally as a challenge by a pastor who longed for his congregation to live out the full peace which Jesus Christ had purchased for them. And so he wrote the words, Pastor Edmund Sears, all the way back in 1849, he wrote these words. It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men From heaven's all-gracious King The world in solemn stillness lay To hear the angels sing Now, what often happens when we sing this song Is that a verse is left out It says this Two thousand years of wrong And man at war with man Hears not the love song which they bring Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife And hear the angels sing For lo, the days are hastening on by prophet-bards foretold, when with the ever-circling years comes round the age of gold, when peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors fling, and the whole world give back the song which now the angels sing. I love that phrase, and I want to remember the verse that we often don't sing because it talks about the division between peoples. It talks about man's war with man. But the way to give glory to God, to give back the song that the angels have sung of peace on earth and goodwill towards men, is to give glory to God in the highest in all that we do. Well, lastly, how do you receive the Prince of Peace into your life? God has won peace for us. It is the gift that he offers us. But we must remember who he truly is in order to receive his gift. The Prince of Peace is God. He is a warrior king equipped for battle. He has broken in. He has torn down the walls, the prison walls that hold us in sin. He's broken down the wall that separates us from God. And he breaks down the walls of hostility that separates people from people. He is God. He's not a prince like you would read or see in a a Disney cartoon. He is a mighty warrior, and he must be glorified for who he is, or there will be no peace in this world or no peace in our hearts. To have true peace in your life and in the world requires us to give glory to God in the highest. And that simply means that he has first place in our life. That's what's missing. We need to choose to not only trust in Christ as our Savior, but live for him as our Lord. You See, we do not experience peace on earth yet because the world does not yet give glory to God in the highest. There is coming a day at Christ's return when every knee will bow and tongue confess that he alone is God, that He alone is worthy of all praise. And that will usher in complete peace. In the meantime those who've placed their trust in Him are called to be ambassadors that proclaim how He reconciles us to God and to one another. And when He is glorified above all else, true peace will come. Not just the cessation of hostilities, but a wholeness into each and every life and into every relationship on the earth. If peace is missing in your life, This is the place to begin. Ask yourself, what place does God's glory, His honor, and showing His greatness have in your thoughts, in your priorities, in your finances, in your relationships, in your work? Are you more focused on His glory or your own reputation? Are you more focused on giving God glory in the highest or your own success or comfort? As long as life is about us. The best that we can hope for is a shadow of peace. We'll never have the wholeness that Jesus offers. But when we turn everything that we are over to Him and say, Lord, You can take me, have all that I am and all that I'll ever be, may I bring You glory. That's when we discover the Prince of Peace is with us and has delivered us and given us that which we most deeply desire being whole with him, having peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. In John chapter 16, Jesus said this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the Prince of Peace who came at Christmas. Our prayer is that you will come to know Him and be made absolutely whole through His presence in your life. If you have questions about that, if there's ways that we can come alongside of you, would you send us a message on Facebook or YouTube or better yet, send us an email and we'll do our best to help answer questions and give you resources to help you grow in a relationship and understand who Jesus Christ fully is. God bless you and may you have a very merry and peace-filled Christmas with the Prince of Peace.